0: Amen. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We've heard a lot about marriage. I want to kind of put my attention on single people. I hope we don't have any in the nursery or in children's church or out on the parking lot right now. If you do, it'd be nice if a good married person would take their place, allow them to sit in this morning. Amen. Hopefully that's already been taken care of. I want to uh, uh, minister 1 Corinthians 6 this morning if you want to turn there. Uh, we have been focusing on relationships over the last few weeks with some marriage and single seminars, our marriage retreat this weekend. How I many of you married people enjoyed yourself this weekend? Amen. Yeah. Have a victory. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I want to finish this whole emphasis up today. That's not to mean that your marriage is no longer important after today or anything like that. But I want to finish our focus that we placed on it uh, this morning and then tonight we're going to be showing the movie Fireproof and I cannot emphasize enough how you will be very blessed to be here tonight and you're going to sit there and wish you had brought somebody along maybe a relative a friend a coworker invite them out for a movie and it'll be an excellent excellent uh, time uh, this morning I want to look at another facet of this and this is for young uh, or for single people But it also will uh, help some married people. And what I'm going to say today is pretty straightforward. The fact that it's not graphic, but I'm not going to pull any punches. The problem when you deal with the issue of sex is that the world is screaming at people about sex and the church is quiet about it. A lot of times, well, how'd you say that? Well, they're saying it. They're saying it at school, they're saying it in the media, commercials, on the radio. And I want to speak to uh, an issue this morning. And part of the inspiration of this message comes from some recent medical discoveries. You ever heard the saying that a picture of a scientist who's finally reaching? A mountaintop of discovery and when he pulls himself up there he finds the theologian is already sitting there that one of the things that's happening with as we're getting more and more medical breakthroughs is that they're making discoveries that confirm what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years and one of them is in the issue of human sexuality and today's sermon is very different, it's got a lot of quotes a lot of uh, technical things but I want to communicate a truth and as I thought about this and prayed about this I thought you know I could teach this and you may hear this at boot camp if you're a young person but I thought you know if, if single people could get a handle on this now they could save themselves a whole lot of grief down the road I want to preach a sermon called The Imprint First Corinthians 6 verse 16 I'll tell you what, let's start in verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 says, "'Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? "'Shall I then take the members of Christ "'and make them members of a harlot? "'Certainly not. "'Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot "'is one body with her? "'For the two, he says, shall become one flesh.'" But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, and whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are god's let's pray father i ask this morning for the anointing of the holy spirit god i believe you for revelation and wisdom god i thank you that your word is a warning sign it is a stop sign god i pray that there will be wise young men and women that will foresee the evil thereof and hide themselves God, help us, Lord, most of all by the precious blood that is able to cleanse our conscience. Give us a clean slate. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said amen. Amen. Let's begin and talk about the imprint this morning. And so I want you to consider something. Here we are reading in 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul is confronting a problem that was taking place in the church at Corinth that is what the Corinthians mean it just simply means he wrote a letter to people who live in the city of Corinth some of you have heard me say this before that Corinth was a major port city sailors from all around Asia minor in the Mediterranean uh, would be there and sailors 2,000 years ago are just as wicked as they are today and all of our navy men said amen And not only that, this city of Corinth was a city that was wholly given um, to idolatry. Uh, I have been to Corinth. Yolanda and I went there a number of years ago on a tour. It no longer exists as a city the way it was then. But when you're there, right above the city is a hill. And on top of that hill is an, an ancient temple ruin. This temple was to the goddess Aphrodite or the goddess of sexual love. This uh, idolatrous worship was, was uh, really nothing more than a, a, a giant whorehouse. 2,000 temple priestesses, they called them priestesses, but in reality they were nothing more than prostitutes, served uh, that temple and all those sailors uh, would go into Corinth uh, and they would make their way up to that temple to, quote, go to church, uh, but uh, in, involve themselves in all kinds of sexual uh, perversion. Corinth was such a wicked city that every kind of deviant sexual behavior was accepted and practiced. If you were raised in Corinth, early on in your life, you would have been introduced to sexual experience. It was normal. In fact, in those days, if you wanted to insult someone, you called them a Corinthian. That is what you called them. you called someone a Corinthian, that meant you were calling them a pervert. You were calling them of a, a, some sort of a deviant uh, because uh, that city was so associated uh, with every kind um, of deviant behavior. Um, and here the Apostle Paul goes to Corinth um, and he begins to preach righteousness. Um, and he begins to see people out of this lifestyle come in um, and get saved. Because that is what the gospel is for this morning the gospel is for men and women who have been ripped off uh, by sin the early followers of the lord jesus were prostitutes uh, and the apostle paul goes and he ministers uh, and he begins to preach um, and part of what he preaches is forgiveness um, but another part of what he preaches is repentance now that you're a christian stop now that you're a christian you don't fornicate anymore can i get an amen from somebody now that you're a Christian, you're no longer a homosexual. Now that you're a Christian, uh, you no longer are living together or committing adultery, have multiple wives, uh, you are a Christian now, uh, and yes, God forgives you, uh, and yes, God wants you to stop. That is why Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery go and sin no more. He didn't say, uh, honey, I love you, Uh, everything's fine, Uh, and we'll just pray that you'll find a way to work out breaking off uh, with your boss uh, or that guy uh, at work uh, who's married. Uh, He didn't say that. He said, go and sin no more. That Christianity uh, calls people uh, to stop. He told people that were shacking up, if you're here this morning, God love you. I'm glad you're here, but if you're living together and you're not married, uh, you're sinning. And you gotta stop that. He didn't say, oh, that doesn't mean God doesn't love me. he loves you absolutely, but stop. Chapter five, he had to throw somebody out of the church because they wouldn't stop. There were people, I know this is going to shock you, who were going to church who were living in sexual sin and they weren't going to stop and the apostle paul finally had to say you're not coming here anymore you're fooling yourself you're beginning to tell yourself that because i go to a christian church uh, and the apostle paul is my leader uh, i guess i must be saved Uh, and he said no 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 you're fooling yourself i would rather have you out there where you know your condition uh, than be in here and be deceived You know, what's sad today is that Christian churches all around our city are filled with people who are living in open sin uh, and nobody says a word about it. And so what happens here is he starts to make the case why you shouldn't uh, get involved in sexual sin or flee immorality. um, And he says this, um, and I want you to see this, um, verse 9 through 11 of chapter 6, uh, he says the first reason why you shouldn't do it is because you'll go to hell. How many know that's a good reason right there? fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. First Corinthians 9 through 11, 6, 9 through 11. He makes it out very, very clear. I don't care if you got Christian music. I don't care if you got a Bible with your name imprinted in gold. Uh, it makes no difference if you're not going to do right, if you're not going to live right, if you're going to somehow tell yourself that you're different and God has made an exception for you uh, and he says, don't kid yourself, don't fool yourself, don't deceive yourself but what is fascinating to me is that he continues and this is really where I'm going to go in this sermon is that not only did he say there is a future danger hell but there's also an immediate danger when you get involved in fornication and sexual sin verse 18 flee sexual immorality every sin that a man does is outside the body he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body you've heard me say it before I will say it to you again Um, not all sins are the same people love to play the game of moral equivalence Uh, well this sin is this sin and I do this but you do that Uh, I fornicate and you don't feed the poor and I'm this uh, but you don't uh, uh, no no, no. the Bible says flee fornication uh, because there's something about that sin that cause is a personal damage to your life that is unlike anything else and he says okay yeah there's a future danger hellfire but if somehow uh, you can't think that far ahead uh, i'm going to make the case the apostle paul says if there is a present danger you are doing something to yourself you are causing um, damage to yourself um, and uh, this is important i a couple of years ago i preached a sermon here called sex education our tape guy said is one of the uh, best sellers i encourage you to get it if you didn't hear that and so i'm not going to go all into that this morning There are two obvious reasons why sexual sin, unlike any other sin, is personally damaging. The first one, of course, is that you can get pregnant. All right, amen. This is basic physics here, okay? You can get pregnant. And this morning, uh, I'm going to make it very clear to you, uh, amen, in a spirit of love, we're going to dedicate children next week. uh, And that is that children that are born uh, outside of wedlock uh, have a curse on their life you don't believe me you read the stats for yourself uh, they have a curse on their life it guarantees all kinds of problems uh, unless that is broken uh, by a repentant mother and mother and father uh, who humble themselves and God will extend mercy and I, I can go all into that but I don't have time this morning but let me throw a caution uh, that I believe is so important in the culture of our congregation and that is uh, that we still frown upon uh, girls that are not married getting pregnant around here we don't throw them showers we don't just, just embrace it as, oh, you know, I know, come here, mama. It's okay, uh, it's not okay. I believe God will forgive them. I believe God will have mercy on them. I believe God loves them. And God loves those precious babies. Uh, But I want to tell you, one of the problems in the Christian church today uh, is that nobody makes stands on these things. It doesn't matter if you throw them a shower. The fact is, uh, the chances uh, for poverty uh, and incarceration uh, and poor education uh, and addiction uh, go through the roof when a child is born out of wedlock. And we don't do them any favors to kind of pretend like that's the new normal. It's not normal. It's still sin. The second danger, of course, is sexually transmitted disease. That when people get involved in sexual sin, they open the door. I want to tell you, perversion is an unclean life. People don't want to say that homosexuals practice an extremely unclean life. People that would never go to a, a restaurant where roaches are running around on top of the plates, but yet they'll do this. It's unclean, it's dirty. You violate your own body. I mentioned in that sermon a couple of years ago that in the 1960s, there were only two types of sexually transmitted disease, syphilis and gonorrhea. Today, there are more than 25 different kinds of STDs. There been people who are, are involved in sexual immorality. Yeah? This is the great lie as they build up Valentine's Day and people go out and, and uh, you know, they're excited about new relations. You have no idea of the, of, the, of the diseases that are out there that you may expose yourself to. So you're sinning against your body. But I want to go into another direction this morning, the third risk. I didn't mention this in this last sermon. I want to talk to you this morning about imprinting. And I want you to think about something that is uh, becoming more and more known, and this is becoming popular if you read books. Recent studies that do- they're doing to the human body, particularly when the body is involved in sexual activity. We know that our sex drive is a very powerful drive. There's nothing wrong with that. God made that. God intended that. Just look at the emphasis in our society. I want you to see something this morning. I hope I have your attention, that sex outside the boundary of marriage triggers a very destructive cycle, cycle in the human personality. Listen to this quote. It says, modern neuroscience research has uncovered startling new information about how sex affects our brains. The effect of sex on our brains can have all sorts of consequences. We do know that sex can literally change a person's brain, influencing the thought process, and affecting future decisions. I want to speak to the women here for a minute. You guys can listen in if you want. (laughs) One of the things that they've discovered, as they have found that when a woman gets involved in sexual activity, that this releases a particular chemical called oxytocin. I don't know if that we call that a a, a, a chemical or or a so my mind goes blank. Oxytocin is a chemical that is released to a woman when a woman becomes sexually active. This is known as the bonding chemical. It is the same thing that is released in a woman when she is breastfeeding a baby. That th- when a woman is involved in breastfeeding a baby, th- what is happening there is more than physical. There's actually a bonding that's taking place. There is a something happening into that mother chemically as she is involved with that baby that is bonding her to that baby emotionally. And all you got to do is ask any mother here what that's about. And they say that that same chemical also happens to a woman when she is involved in sexual activity. That God created a woman to bond with the man that she is intimate with. Or the idea there is that sexual activity was not supposed to be purely a physical act. But as that act is going on, there's this bonding chemical that is operating in this woman that makes her want to bond with that man, that begins to get involved with her, that begins to trigger things emotionally towards him. Listen to this quote. If people enter a physical relationship unwisely, a bond results. This bonding can lead to a long-term relationship that is unhealthy and destructive because it was an unwise relationship to start with yet the bonding keeps the couple together even when there is abuse neglect etc sex can make a person feel that the other person is the right one because the bonding and dopamine high it brings can blind one to honestly looking at the other's faults and so what they're finding out and the reason they're doing these studies is they're saying why do women stay with men who beat them they say, why do these women stay with these guys that are, are total losers? She works, he stays at home. And they say, why, why, why do these women do this? Uh, and, uh, you know, Helen Reddy can sing, I am woman, hear me roar and all that, but, but uh, you know, and, and all, all this stuff. And, and, and yet people scratch their head and there's probably not an adult here who doesn't know someone who's trapped in a relationship like that right now. You know why? Because they're having sex, that's why. And the fact is that there is a physical change in this woman that wants her to bond with somebody because of the way she feels with him, irregardless of what she knows about him. Why? Because this oxytocin makes her want to bond, makes her want to connect. And so everybody else, uh, especially uh, her parents, uh, this guy's a loser. I've been there and these girls come and cry. And when I was a young pastor many years ago and they'd come and cry, he beats me and abuses me and I just want to serve the Lord. And when I was a young pastor in New Mexico, Robert Polacco, some of you know, Pastor Polacco, he's a black belt in karate and, and, um, uh, you know, in Las Vegas, a little town, you know, and so everybody knew Robert was a black belt in karate. So, you know, I said, come on, Robert, let's go, you know, and, uh, you know, they're going to threaten the guy, intimidate the boy. I, I did all of that nearly got shot nearly got my wife shot one day because uh, robert and i went over to this guy's house and and uh, uh and, you know leave her alone she's moving out i mean moved her out and the whole thing and she went yolanda took her off to a girl's house and and the guy got mad and left and unbeknownst to us he grabbed his gun went to the house where yolanda and this girl were hiding and yolanda and the girl had to run into a closet and hide under a pile of dirty clothes uh, while this guy ran through the house screaming thank God that these girls didn't put their clothes away. And uh, say, hey amen, Pastor Ruby, that's God, that's why I am I am But the sad thing was she went back to him because I didn't know anything about oxytocin back then. I'm like, how could you? We're we're telling her all this stuff. And and, and she understands that she gets in the presence of God. And yes, this is what I need to do. But you're having sex with the guy. So I always tell these women, you know, in these relationships, you better make a stand, dear. You know, you better make a stand because when you get involved intimately, something starts happening to you and you become blind to the fact that he's got a harem. See, the problem with chemicals is they're value neutral. It's not like oxytocin has morals. This is an automatic physical response. That's why men, Jesus said, don't look at a woman to commit adultery because this is value neutral. Don't do this. You know, it's like, well, you know, if it's so wrong, then why do I feel this way? Well, you know what? With all due respect, who cares how you feel? It's still wrong. Ah, oh, well, I just love him so much. I, it must be the Lord, you know. And I mean, oh, yeah, how, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> it's sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along, on and on and on and on and on. Uh, uh, you, know, I, you know, there you are with yours, and here I am. I, it's like, stop that. <laughs> Listen to Lainey, 25-year-old. She said, sex just seemed like part of the date. Usually it took place by the second time I went out with someone. It left me feeling empty, but I figured that's the way things were. I felt lonely and hollow inside. Cheryl, 19, when we broke up, I just ached all over. I didn't miss having sex, but I missed having him so much more than I ever thought I would. I still don't understand what happened to me. Well, what happened is that God put something in you to reinforce a marriage that you've taken outside the marriage. And now you're over there trying to bond with people. It's amazing. A girl will go out to be ready to be picked up, you know, just in case, and not understand that what, what's, what she's going to do and what she's going to enter into. Okay, let's talk to the men. i've heard good (laughs) because something happens to men too they release a chemical called vasopressin this is the male form of this experience now it's funny as i do this because i got we got medical people in our church and i hope you're not saying he mispronounced that but uh this is the male form of this experience and it's also meant to create a sense of bonding But something happens to the man who moves from relationship to relationship. He ends up building up a resistance to this experience. Listen to this quote. Men may question why do they keep going back to a woman who treats them so poorly, or may wonder why they never seem able to feel deep inside a commitment to a woman after having a sex partner after sex partner. Sadly, they simply do not know that their brains are flooded with vasopressin during sexual intercourse, And that this neurochemical produces a partial bond with every woman they have sex with. Now remember what the Apostle Paul said. He says, you join your member to a harlot. This is 2,000 years ago. Without the benefit of modern medicine, the Apostle Paul says, don't you know that when you go to these harlots, remember these people in Corinth, man, they're loose. These are the kind of guys who go to the strip clubs. He says, don't you understand That you are joining yourself. And so here we are 2,000 years later, they're writing books like this and they're saying that what's happening, what these men don't realize is that you are bonding with every woman you're with. You're joining yourself to them. they do not realize that this pattern of having sex with one woman and then breaking up and having sex with another woman limits them to experience only one form of brain activity during sexual activity it's the rush of sex they damage a vital innate ability to develop the long-term emotional attachment that results from sex with the same person over and over this transition can be seen in the brain studies of individuals who have been involved with each other for a period of months The individual individual who goes from partner to partner is causing his or her brain to mold and gel so that eventually begins accepting that sexual pattern as normal. And so what they're saying there is that they're finding, and it's particularly with men, is that you get these guys, you know, and they find a girlfriend and they have this torrid romance and then it ends and they're off to somebody else. Every time they're doing that, they are this vasopressin they have this relationship and this is the one and they're flooded with all these feelings uh, and it goes on until they get tired of each other they go off to somebody else what happens is he begins to develop a tolerance for it in other words it doesn't do do that anymore to him so then down the road five years, ten years some of you men need to listen to me this morning is that uh, now they meet some girl who's a great girl good girl man this is the kind you take home to mother, and I mean uh, cook all kinds of things, and uh, and uh, and so you know. But he has a pattern established in his life. That's why you, these guys they can't commit, even when they want to commit. They can't finance it. And so what happens? Well, they've grown up tolerance to this stuff. It doesn't doesn't impact them anymore, and they can't bond. They can't just simply take this one woman and bond for life and say, this is it. Well, you know, they, they can't do that anymore. If somebody used the example, like it's like tape, you know, you can put tape on, take it off, put it back on, take it off. Eventually, there won't be any glue left. And you have a whole generation that bought into this lie about sex and you got all these men they just don't know how to intellectually they'll say this is the woman I love this is why I want to be the mother of my children and on and on and on but they cannot bond they've done that tape thing so many times they just don't know how to do it anymore then of course there's dopamine you no know, we all get dopamine It's that powerful reward drug that is released in us that leaves a deep impression. You can get dopamine highs from all kinds of things, running and all kinds of stuff, but you do get it during sexual activity. And this leaves a deep impression. It leaves a pathway. When this is triggered, it leaves a physical and emotional and spiritual impression. I want you to listen to this next few minutes here. This leaves a physical, emotional, and spiritual impression. In the Song of Solomon, written about 2,900 years ago, it, it says these words, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, this, it's the story of married love And in this story, which is kind of like a musical, you know, he sings and she sings and there's a choir of girls in the background that sing and that's the whole Song of Solomon. In that, there's a place where the bride and then the girls sing in this song of married love, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up nor awaken love until it's time. And what it's referring to is the dopamine experience oxytocin, vasopressin that happens when people get married and they enter into a sexual relationship they have stirred up or they have awakened love they have triggered something in them that they didn't even know was there and the idea there is that God's intention God's intention was that The first sexual experiences that a man and woman would have would be with the person they got married to. Why? Because of this thing called imprinting. Dopamine leaves an imprint. So I want to help you understand something this morning. What happens is this. How many of you have ever gotten new computer? Oh, don't be afraid to lift your hand. I ain't lifting my hand. Nothing in this sermon, you know. I... Okay, humor me, all right? You get a new computer, and when you get this new computer, they give you software. You got to download all this software into the machine to get the thing to operate. See, what happens with sexual sin outside of marriage, premarital sex particularly, is that there are a lot of people, they, they, they miss God's intention. So what What happens? They start downloading way too soon. And their first sexual experiences are not with the person they married on their wedding night. And they start imprinting stuff and downloading stuff into into their spirit. It's like when the first time you experience oxytocin or vasopressin or dopamine and you're not married. It's like right there, all these imprints start taking place. Pathways start happening all over the, uh, these experiences. These feelings, these chemicals start being triggered inside of you. And it begins to put an imprint on you. So, if I can be frank with you this morning. So people's first sexual experiences are in the back seat of a car. Their sexual experiences uh, are, uh, uh, you know, when an uncle uh, bought them a prostitute when they were 16. Their first experiences, maybe uh, uh, they got involved in homosexual activity. Their first experiences uh, sometimes uh, were being violated. Things, and, and, all, and this stuff starts playing out in them. Imprinting. <laughs> just like these pictures being taken, imprinting in their soul, and making these associations. And so what you have is you have people. That, I mean, remember who Paul's writing to? This, you know, he, you know. You say, "Wow, Pastor Ruby, you raised a lot of stuff." Well, you tell that to the Apostle Paul and people who live in Corinth. All the, all the sexual nonsense that these people would have been involved in. And when he said those words, join yourself to a harlot, you can only imagine as these people listened to those words, as people read that letter, joined a harlot, they would know exactly what he means. This wasn't theory to them. He said, my goodness, I have, I, well, all the experiences and the sexual experiences that have printed imprinted on my life, all the things that I joined myself to or bonded with, you with me this morning, church? Listen to his words again. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. He who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Because you, you, you guys, you. you, you what what you what you do to yourself what you're doing to yourself now remember paul comes from an extremely strict hebrew uh background this would not have been his past but as he immersed himself in these pagan cultures and and looked at this and he loves those people he cares about he wants to help them and yeah you know don't do that you're gonna go to hell which is valid but beloved, there was something far more than just that message. Of, what are you doing to yourself? Do you, 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 you understand how you're fouling up your personality? You're fouling up, you're undermining your future. You're, you're going around and you're taking this, this powerful dynamic and you're just bonding to anything. You got all these imprints on you. And so what happens is, you know, people get saved or, or they get married, you know, and, and they say, man, I want to do right. I want to I be right. I want to live right. I want to be clean and all this stuff. And then they begin to come and come, confront this stuff. That's why, church, there would be nothing more powerful than to get a young man and a young woman who are virgins And get married, and their first experience is there, is the imprint of their their life. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? To just get a virgin boy and a virgin girl who don't have all that imprinting, all that past. And the only path that they know is the path of marriage. Hey, man, what a a powerful thing. To not have to carry into the marriage all the baggage. That's why if you're a young person here this morning, you got to say, you know what, That's, that's, that's my goal. Why would I want to carry a bunch of garbage into this marriage? Why would I want to take... And bond with this or with that, and have this or that, or that experience or that path, and all this stuff. And so, you know what? And then coming to marriage, and God, you're going to help me, and you know, and and I don't have to wrestle with any of that, because you're here this morning. There are many of you. You have that opportunity. Do you believe in forgiveness? Absolutely. I'm not even done yet. Let's agree this morning that that's God's ideal. And that every young man, every young woman here, you may not know who you're going to marry or anything, but you can make up your mind, Lord, on that day, that's what I want. I want my experience to be that experience. I want to close. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of the blood, the cry of the human heart. Malcolm Muggeridge tells his story when he was a young man he was stationed in india he was a christian man but he says that one day he uh, was out uh, for a swim in the river and before he left somebody told him hey you know what some of those indian women swim naked sometimes so while he's swimming he looks up it's early morning and off in the distance is the uh, silhouette of a naked woman swimming malcolm muggeridge is a young man decided to get a closer look. Swam towards this woman. When he came up knowing he would be close enough to actually really see her, he looked up and it turned out the woman was a leper. Her skin was falling off her. It was a horrific sight. He was was freaked out, turned, and began to swim away as fast as he can. And he said God spoke to him. And said, Son, that's exactly what your heart looks like. See, the problem this morning is that I preach this sermon to people who say, This sermon's about 20 years too late. You know what? I've done violence to myself, not knowing, listening to, the radio, or believing what they showed me on TV or in the movie. I did all this. The Bible says in Mark 1, a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And so here's the Lord Jesus says he's early in his ministry. This leper comes. And he has this revelation. You know, it's interesting. It's that the leper had a revelation because Jesus didn't necessarily announce all this stuff. But he saw Jesus minister and he said, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus Christ said, I want to. And he leaned over and he touched this leper. Now remember in those days, leprosy man was, nobody would have anything to do with lepers. Leprosy was a highly contagious disease. In those days, lepers were forbidden from going into cities. Lepers were required to identify themselves so people would stay away from them. They would cover, they would wear their cloth over their mouth so you they wouldn't breathe on you. I mean, they, they were infected. And yet this leper said, Jesus, I believe you can make me clean. And Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach down and I'm going to touch this infected person. You can imagine bystanders would have been like, I don't even get near him. I don't get close to him. I'm going to reach down and I'm going to touch him. May I say to you this morning, it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus Christ wants to touch you and make you clean. That is the power of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, some say Paul, some say others, said this. He said, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, the Apostle Paul, one of his arguments in the writer of Hebrews was this very thing is that, you know, religious exercises can make you feel good about yourself. The blood of Jesus has the power to clean the conscience. That means this morning that there are people that, you know what, say, Pastor Ruby, there are things, there are violations, there's disobedience in my life. The blood of Jesus, I'm not here to make you feel guilty and then give you ten Hail Marys and do this or that. That doesn't work. I'm here to tell you this morning that the blood of Jesus has the power to reach down and cleanse you and purge your conscience reach way down into the deepest part of a person and set you free. You know, I believe that how that works. I believe that means, you know what? I can be cleansed and forgiven so that I don't have to carry this the rest of my days in my marriage. I don't have to live my life with a limp because of my past sins. The devil would love to make you think that's the case. Years ago, I know a story about a man who was going to, he was a virgin, and he was going to marry a a girl, saved, loved God, good girl in the church, you know, loved this girl, wanted to marry her, and then uh, prior to the marriage, she was just honest, you know what, I'm not a virgin, devastated the guy, devastated him. Because he's like you know, you know all this stuff, and and finally he went to the pastor and the, said to his pastor, you know I, you know I'm a virgin, and I found out she's not, and and, and he expected the pastor to sympathize with them, and he got in his face and said, brother, either the blood of Jesus cleanses or it doesn't. And he said today, he's so glad, he's so glad, that he listened to that rebuke. Because I'm not saying that you carry. The burden and the weight and the damage of it all. I'm saying that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you. You know what it can do? It can give you a clean slate. That's the power. That's why people get saved. We get saved because we need a clean slate. It's like those etcher sketches. We've made a complete mess. And when you come to Jesus, He's able to take that and, and say, so I'm going to give you a new start, I'm going to heal all those paths all those tunnels and violations, break all those bonds. I'm going to give you a brand new start. So you'd say, you know, Lord, I've, I'm, I, I've learned something. I cannot go back and I cannot correct the past. But I can do two things. I can humble myself and believe that you will give me a brand new start. And I believe that now I'm going to set my mind that from now on, I'm only joining to one person, and that's the person I'm married to. And I'm bonding with them. Nothing else. It's over. I read a story as I finished. And I like this little story I read about a woman who was getting evicted from her apartment. She didn't know what to do. She had no money. She was already beyond the due date. It was just a matter of the eviction coming A man in the area, a businessman, heard about her, felt bad, and so he went back to his office and made it known that there was a poor woman who was about to be evicted from her house and would people contribute. Moved the hearts, people in the office. He went to a few other businesses. Everybody threw in, and the man raised enough money to pay two months' rent. Went to this woman's house, eager to give her this money, help her... um, knocked on the door uh she wouldn't come to the door madam madam uh, he knocked on the door she wouldn't answer and he said, i know she's there i know she's there but she refused to answer the door and finally he gave up he left um, did not see her a week later he found the woman walking the streets of the city it was obvious that she was living on the street and he approached her and said ma'am what happened she says i got evicted from my apartment he said, I don't understand. He said, I went to your apartment. I knew you were there. I knocked on your door and, uh, and I had two months rent so you wouldn't be evicted. And she said, was that you? She said, I thought it was the landlord. And I didn't answer the door. Let me tell you something this morning. You know, when you preach about stuff like this, there are people that think you're the landlord. It is coming down. It's coming down. And we've, so we close our doors. We close our eyes uh, uh, you, know, you know. It's not the landlord this morning. There's a God in heaven who knows who you are He says, I want to cleanse you. I want to set you free. Let's bow our heads. No one moving around. We're waiting on God. Maybe you've come into this service today and you're not right with God. You need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. The blood of Jesus to cleanse. To cleanse, reach deep down and wash you. That's the power of the gospel this morning. And you're here to say, Pastor Ruby, I need Jesus. I'm not talking about being religious. The fact is churches are filled with people who are living every wedge way. That's not the reason. The apostle Paul says, no, no, this is messing you up. I can forgive you. That's the gospel. God says, I can forgive you. He told a woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. And this morning, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to let you know that Jesus Christ will have mercy on you. Whether this is your lifestyle that I preach about or maybe it's not, we're all sinners and we all need forgiveness. And you say, Pastor Ruby, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. I need forgiveness this morning. I need the blood of Jesus. I'm not asking you if you're religious or if you go to church. I'm asking you to be honest with God about the condition of your heart. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. Today, I want to follow Christ. I want to turn from sin and I want to believe the gospel. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand and just hold it there. While you're holding it there, you're saying, pray for me. God bless you, young man in the back. Who else? Lift up your hand. Pastor, I'm not right with God. Christians are praying, God bless you. There's still others. I need Jesus this morning. Here's my hand. I don't want to leave here without coming to Christ and finding forgiveness. Slip up your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me. I want to pray with you. Anybody else? These hands have gone up. Are there any others? Maybe you're a backslider. God's dealing with you. Say, you know I, I want to follow Christ. I don't want to play games. I want to be right with God. Lift up your hand. Hands have gone up. Are there any others? God bless these hands. I want every one of you that have your hand lifted, I want you to just lift your hand. Look at me. Lift your hand. Look at me just for a minute. I want to pray for you. I want you to come right now. Come on, young man in the back. Every one of you, I just want you to come. Come on, young man, I want you to come. Over here, I want you just to step out. These are coming. This is church. This is where we can do this. This is the place that we can respond to God. Are there any others? I want you to come. These hands are responding. I want you to come. Would you respond? Thank God. I need some people to help us. I'm asking you to kneel right here at this altar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So i going to ask you to kneel at this office. They're coming in and have a sister to help us this morning. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Deanna, want to come? Or okay. Well, please it. Okay. So thank God for these precious souls. Are there any others? Pastor, I'm not right with God. Lift up your hand. I, wanna, I don't want to leave here without settling this before God. Lift up your hand. Will you respond? While our heads are bowed, I want to talk to the church. Because as Christians, we're all going to have to make decisions in this area of our lives. It's out there. We all know it. Hammering at us. You go to school, your job, the media. Lying to us. And then here we have this stuff inside of us. God gave us a sex drive. That's normal. But There is an assault of hell that wants to rob you. The blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse this morning. It has the power to cleanse, to go deep down and touch us and clean us in a way that nothing else can. There's forgiveness this morning in God. There is forgiveness in the gospel. There's mercy extended, cleansing. There are people here this morning. You've got some imprints in you from previous experiences. You say, you know what? I realized something. I joined myself. Some of this has begun to happen to me. The power of the gospel this morning is deliverance and freedom. Mercy, the blood can cleanse. God has the power to break that traction, break the power. There are some people here, you are in some very unhealthy relationships and you know who you are. God's dealing with you. Say, you know what? This is what happened. What happened is I let these chemicals and these emotions so that something feels right that in my head I know is wrong. That's why we come to the cross this morning. It's more than the doctrine. It is power. The blood is power. We're going to stand. These altars are open. Thank God we can come to a place where we can pray. We can lay hold of God. Hallelujah. Let's sing and worship God. He hated me.